With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. Now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's gonna be sick. Good Friday night, everyone, and welcome to the Sick Podcast. Tony Marinero is off. Enter the Hebrew Hammer. Matt O'Hayan is in. I uh, hope you had a good week. I've had a pretty good week myself. A little bit, a uh, little bit tired. I won't lie to you guys. Uh, but uh, a couple things before we get to the show. First things first. Are you in transportation sales, customer service, operations, HR, or admin? Well, the good news is Energy Transportation Group is hiring for all. Positions, Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. We're also brought to you by 8.6 Beer, Intense by Nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark, as well as Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Speaking of surprises, uh, and Yellow is not manning the ship tonight with Sammy, along with Sammy's his sister, Juliana. And for the reason for that being is uh, Tony Marinero uh, celebrated his 50th birthday a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, he did not text me back when I texted him happy birthday. So I'm a little bit salty about that. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Speaking of but. Speaking of surprises, it's actually his 50th surprise birthday tonight, and we actually have live footage from that birthday party. So there's three things I know about Tony Marinero. One is that uh, he loves his Montreal Canadiens, of course. Uh, two, he is one of the hardest workers I know. And three, he's a giant crybaby. Tony, never change. We love you. Anyways, let's get to let's get to the the issues at hand. First things first, we're gonna we're gonna start off as we usually do with talking about the Canadians. We will talk NFL picks and dive deep into the Week 15 slate. But first, I would like to welcome to the program from the Montreal Gazette, covering the Canadians, Mister Stu Callen. Stu, how are you? I'm doing well. Happy birthday to Tony. Uh, my wife threw a 50th for me, and it's almost 10 years ago. So I got another uh, big one coming up. <laughs> happy birthday to Tony. 
Well, uh, I'll be sure to send you a happy birthday message on your 60th. Um, so that's good to hear. So yes, happy birthday to Tony. Uh, not exactly the happiest of weeks for the Canadians. The last time I spoke to you guys uh, on this program, uh, the Canadians were heading in, you know, they since then... They, they looked really good heading into that episode. And then since then, they've lost three out of four. Stu, uh, you know, just, I, I guess, big picture. Did you see a common theme in the, in the three losses? Well, I mean, whichever way you want to look at it, the Canadians are ahead of where I think everybody, including me, thought they'd be at this point in the season. They're roughly a 500 team. They haven't lost. They haven't gone more than two games in a row without earning a point. They had one three-game losing streak, but they had an overtime loss in there. So they've been able to bounce back as opposed to last season when they had a couple of seven game losing streaks. And we all remember how bad it was back then. Um, but there's going to be growing pains along the way. We've known it. Uh, they've known it. They haven't hidden it. Marty St. Louis talked about it and Jeff Gordon, Ken Hughes have talked about it. We're seeing some of those now as the season goes on, we're seeing some of the younger players at Jordan Harris, for example, who played university hockey, 39 games or whatever it was a year. The NHL season's a grind. And part of the growing pains is going to be for these young players just to realize, you know, you get the game 30 and 40 and 50. It's it's a long season. There's a lot of travel. Canes have a lot of travel in December. I know for myself, the travel I've been doing in December, I'm not playing hockey. It's tiring when you're on the road as much as these guys mm-hmm. are. So it's, it's growing pains moving forward. The thing is, they showed again, you know, they don't give up. They fall behind 2 nothing. They battle back. They make a game out of it. Uh, last night was the first time I've seen Marty St. Louis be sort of frustrated like he was. He said we had too many passengers after the game against Anaheim, playing against the worst team in the league. Um, so it's just one of those things. We're going to be growing pains along the way. Uh, the power play is obviously a big concern. But um, as I said, at this point where they are right now, I don't think many people thought they'd be as good as they have been so far this season. It'll be interesting to see how things continue moving forward. Yeah, and I'm happy you brought up Martin St. Louis and him being frustrated because I feel like, you know, as you said, there's going to be growing pains, especially with such a short, uh, such a long season and just a young team. But also, let's not forget that, you know, I, I feel like people tend to forget because he just the way he carries himself. People think that Martin St. Louis is a veteran coach. This is his first head coaching job in the in the NHL, yeah. and you know, I feel like. The this is the first time we've seen him, you know, frustrated with the team, we'll call it. Whereas, you know, it kind of started, uh, it was it, it was Wednesday night when they played, uh, when they played Ottawa, and he was frustrated after that game as well. Um, he, he did it, was it was more towards the referees, but you know, we're, we're starting to see maybe the season get to him a little bit too. Yeah, and there's also the injuries also. I mean, there's not a lot of depth on this team. And, you know, you lose a Sean Monaghan, you lose Gallagher, you lose Savard, uh, you know, you lose Mike Matheson. That's that's some big guys they're missing also. But for Marty St. Louis, his whole thing is he he's trying to make the game fun for these guys. He's trying to make them play a fun system that they enjoy, a brand, as he calls it, they enjoy. And I think he doesn't mind losing. As he said in his news conference after the game last night, you know, winning games isn't the main focus. It's player development. What he doesn't like is a lack of effort. And I think last night was one of the few times this season that he saw a lack of effort from some of his players. And that upset him. Um, you know, he can understand, you know, growing pains are going forward. The, the talent, they don't, they're not an incredibly talented team. They're not an incredibly deep team. The injuries hurt. But he expects his players to show up and, and give everything they have every night. And there was too many guys last night who didn't. And that's why they lost to the worst team in the league. 
And, and it's it's interesting because you know I, I find it's just with with this team, you know, it, it's it's this week specifically, it's kind of uncharted territory in terms of every time there was a back to back and the Canadians would lose the first game. We've seen it a couple times, you know, okay, no problem. You have a game that you have a game the next night, shake it off and they come out and, you know, they might, they may have gotten out, but they come away with a victory and it just, it just wasn't the case last. I found after the, the start against Ottawa was promising because, you know, they outshot them and outchanced them like crazy. And, you know, obviously nothing comes of it. Then they fall behind quickly three, nothing in the second period. They bounce back in the second, come away with a loss. And I'm, I'm kind of expecting at that point against Anaheim, not just because they're the worst team in the league, but because of just what we've seen from this team in back-to-backs that generally their second game is the one that's more fruitful for them. I won't call it necessarily the better game, but we've seen results in those second games. And it just, you know, they, they, they tied the, they tied the game in, in the third period, or I should say Cole Caulfield tied the game in the third yeah. period, but really wasn't really expecting much heading into the third. It didn't look like they were all that interested. The thing that's really been surprising to me is how you know they have a losing record at home, and the first period at home they've been bad. I mean, they haven't shown up to play at home, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, you figure, especially a young team playing at the Bell Center, uh, you know, they should be fired up. Again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, as the season goes on, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these younger players who haven't, you know, don't have the rookies in the NHL, four rookie defensemen who aren't used to the grind of what an NHL season is. You know, they fly charters, they stay in enough ho- nice hotels and all that stuff, but it's the NHL season still a grind. And some of these young guys are, are learning that right now. And the fact that Marty St. Louis, you know, when you have a coach who dumps on his players all the time in, in post-game news conferences, they sort of tune it out. But if they heard last night for, that's the first thing, you know, Marty St. Louis had too many passengers. That's, uh, I think that's a message to the team, like, you know, let's go, guys. It's uh, that was unacceptable. It was an unacceptable effort level. Whether they thought they took the Ducks for granted, thinking you know the worst team in the NHL. Uh, you look at the power play. The Ducks had the worst penalty killing unit in the NHL. The Habs had the worst power play. They had four power plays. They had two shots on goal and four power plays. I mean, it's it's pathetic to watch that power play. One of the shots went in from Cole Caulfield. It's still pathetic though. So it's gonna right now is a tough time in the season. You know, Pat Hickey wrote a column in the Gazette. Uh, Recently, talking about December is always a tough month for the Canadians, and they have themselves, their ownership has themselves to blame for this because they always book other stuff at the Bell Center. So it means the team's on the road. There's 15, I believe there's 15 games in December, and only four of them are at home. That's a difficult schedule to go through. Hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going on the road trip next week. I leave Sunday. It's going to be Arizona, Colorado, Denver. They come back. They're going to fly back. Uh, I think they arrive early in the morning on Christmas Eve. Then they head out right after Christmas to Florida. Then they're in Washington. Then they're in Nashville. It's a tough schedule. And it's something the Canadians' management or ownership, I should say, has brought on itself for many years because they want other events in at the Bell Center at Christmas time to make more money. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I've said right from the I mean, they're better than I thought they were right now. At the beginning of the season, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. I still don't think they make, they're going to make the playoffs. For them to make the playoffs, they're going to have to go on a five, six, seven game winning streak. I don't think they're good enough to do that. On the other side, as I mentioned earlier, they haven't lost more. They haven't got more than three games in a row without earning a point. But it, it's it's going to be this next month is going to be a real telling sign for just the character this team has, and we're going to find out 
if they're still ahead of where we thought they were, were going to be, or if they're going to be where about we did think they were going to be, it's going to be a real tough stretch in the schedule coming up here. Well, well, I guess you, you just answered my next question. Cause my, you know, I was going to lead into saying that, you know, are the wheels just starting to come off right now? Because, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're driving a, you're driving a nice car. Cause you know, you have the big three in, uh, in Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc leading the way. It's a, it's a nice trio. It's a, it's nice to advertise that. Cause you know, that's the future of the offense going forward. But then, you know, the engine, it's, you know, you're driving a nice, a nice old Porsche, but the engine on the inside is, eh, you know, the suspension yeah. can go, then, you know, things start to happen. And I, I feel like I might be jumping too prematurely, but kind of all season, I feel like a lot of people in, and I'm going to, and I'm going to put myself at the forefront, you know, they're, they're ahead of where we all thought they were going to be. But at a certain point, I was always expecting the wheels to fall off. And with all the injuries to the team, it, it kind of feels like it's a perfect storm for that to happen right now. Yeah, the injuries really haven't helped I me. Mean, Sean Manahan's a big loss. You know, Mike Matheson and David Savard, the two veterans on the fence who eat up a lot of minutes, that, that's a big loss. So as I said, we're going to find out over the next uh, couple of weeks whether – I don't. I wouldn't say the wheels have fallen off right now. I think they're a little shaky. Um, and I think with St. Louis comments after the game last night, he's trying to send a bit of a wake up call to these guys. It's okay if we lose, but it's not okay if we lose and you don't show up and compete. And if they can, one of the reasons they haven't had an extended losing streak is because they do show up and compete. They're never out of a game last season with Dominic Ducharme as a coach. If they were down two nothing after two periods, the game's over, right? If you're at home watching on TV, change the channel, put on Netflix, uh, go read a book, go do whatever. Uh, the game was over. It's not the case right now. And again, last night, you know, they came back, they tied it up, and then they they lost. But um, it's going to be, as I said, I'm looking forward to, to this road trip just to see how this road trip coming up after the game Saturday night to see how they deal with that. Um, as I said, going right back on the road after Christmas again. Um, so I think by, you know, they play in Nashville, I believe it's January 3rd or 4th, I think it's the 3rd. I think after that game, we'll have a, better idea of whether the wheels have fallen off or whether they're just sort of wobbly and this is the way the season's going to go as i said i can't see them making the playoffs because i don't think they're going to win six in a row or five in a row whatever it would take to get them in there but as it looks right now i don't think they're going to lose that many in a row the goaltending is mm -hmm. you know, jake allen's been pretty solid in goal sam montembeau's played better than most people expected including me um but it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to this next month. It'll it'll certainly help if they can get some guys back from injuries. I saw Sean Monahan walking after the game last night. He didn't have his walking boot on anymore, so that's a good sign uh, for him. Mike Matheson sort of in a day to day type thing. It's probably you have to think it's probably an aggravation maybe of that uh, abdominal injury he had earlier. I'm speculating here, um, but if they can get those guys back, veteran guys who eat a lot of minutes. That, just makes it easier for everybody else or, or puts players in the slots that they should be as opposed to being in slots they shouldn't be. So speaking of players being in the slots they should and shouldn't be, it doesn't matter. It, it's, at least it seems like it doesn't matter what slot anyone gets put in when it comes to the power play. It's just uh, – it's bare bones out there. I mean, it, it's been a continuous story ever since, you know, Andre Markov left the team, as we mentioned the last time we spoke. And, you know, even before that, they haven't – it's just – 
what is it about this power play? Because they clearly have the pieces. I mean, yeah. against the Senators, they the they had a they had a power play opportunity after bringing themselves within a goal, and you know they are they had arguably their five most talented forwards on the ice, and just nothing being created and you know it's it's got to be something more than just having someone making a good first pass because you know even against that in that that win against calgary they had a they had a four minute power play in in overtime Mm -hmm. and it just i mean without cole caulfield because he went down with an injury i've never seen you know since martin st louis took over just such a static power play, just nobody moving, just they're moving the puck, but no bodies were actually moving. They basically killed off their own power play on that one. They just kept passing it around and passing it around and nothing happened. And they killed off their own. You no, know, at some point you got to shoot the puck. You know, I wrote a column. It's up on hockeyinsideout.com Now I wrote it earlier today. It's, this is a young team. It's an inexperienced team. This is a young inexperienced coaching staff also. You know, Marty St. Louis goes from coaching his kids in Bantam hockey in Connecticut to being head coach of the Canadians. Uh, Stefan Robida goes from coaching midget AAA to being an assistant coach of the Canadians. Uh, Alex Burroughs goes from playing to being an assistant coach in Laval for two years to being an assistant coach of the Canadians. Trevor Latowski goes from junior hockey to the Canadians. Eric Raymond, the goalie coach. In the column I wrote, I think, I think the, Marty St. Louis was an amazing power play player as a Hall of Fame player. But as a head coach, you've got so many things you're dealing with overall, apart from just the power play. And I think they're at a point now, I think they need to hire an experienced NHL coach with experience running a power play, with success with the power play, to give Marty St. Louis a little help. Um, You know, he kept, kudos to him, he kept the staff that he had when he came in. He didn't get rid of anybody. Luke Richardson left to become head coach of Chicago. They bought in Stefan Robida. He's a development guy. That's great. Development is what they want to do. But I think moving forward, the power play is really important. You need to get these young guys to be confident on the power play. Suzuki and Caulfield and all these guys are bringing in. I, I just think for Marty St. Louis, he's a great communicator. Um, he he's, has a smart hockey mind. He's a smart guy. Um, I, I think he'll be a great head coach. Uh, I think he's done a great job as a head coach since he took over. But I think they need a little bit more experience behind the bench and somebody who, you know, not Alex Burroughs. I don't know Alex Burroughs, no knock on him, but is he really qualified to be running an NHL power play? You know, from from mm. the type of player he was to a brief stint as an assistant coach in the AHL to all of a sudden now you're running the Canadians power play. So I think they need to I think they need to try and move forward. Uh to bring in a little bit, somebody with a little bit more experience behind an NHL bench who can maybe help out and, and figure out something to get this power play going. Because it's right now, it's, it, it's pathetic. I mean, it's inexcusable how bad it is, considering, you know, they don't really have that quarterback on the power play you really want to have. You know, they don't have a guy who also who can pass and also make a shot. Chris Weidman's a great passer. He doesn't really shoot. Um, you know, Jonathan Drewing, sort of a similar type thing when he's there. Mike Matheson's not really your prototypical QB on a power play. Um, Arbor Jacka is one guy who, when they put him at the point in the power play, he's actually been good. He's been able to get his shot through. Um, but it, it just, it, it's, you don't expect them to be top five or maybe even top 10 power play, but they got to be better than, I think they moved up to 31st after Caulfield scored last night. But it's been an ongoing problem with this team. Before St. Louis came in, 
Um, the last time they had the number one power play in the NHL, Guy Carbonell, the first two years he was coach of the Canes, they had the mm-hmm. best power play in the NHL. So the, I think they need to bring in somebody, another coach. There's no salary cap on a coaching staff. Um, I think they need to find somebody who has a little bit more experience behind an NHL bench and a more, little bit more experience on what works and what doesn't work on an NHL power play. Well, and that's and that's the thing because you know you said that Martin Saint Louis has just so much to think about and and to worry about, and he does as a head coach in the mm-hmm. NHL. But at a certain point, you know, you could say probably with the amount of one goal games that this team has lost, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they had if they don't have the thirty first best power play, and you know they're they're running at the twentieth best power play, how many more points is that in the standings? Well, and exactly, and and right now the key isn't winning, but as I said, a lot of a lot of the rebuild is confidence, right? You want, like, Marty St. Louis talked about the brand he wants to play and he wants the, the young guys to be confident playing that brand. But the power play is a huge part of a hockey team. And they need to start – the confidence has to be so low right now mm-hmm. with Suzuki and Caulfield and these guys. They need, it, they, they need to get it better to gain some confidence moving forward. If they want it, you know, this, this rebuild is – a little bit ahead of schedule now. I think we can all agree with, with the amount of wins they've had so far. But moving forward, I just think the power play is one of those things that it shouldn't be that hard to fix, you wouldn't think, or, or at least to become respectable. It shouldn't be as bad as it is with some of the talent they have on this team. So I think that should be – I understand their focus is on development. It's not on winning. But I think a little bit more focus needs to be on the power play. And I think Marty St. Louis might need – a little bit more help coaching-wise when it comes to that. It's funny because I was watching Marty St. Louis before practices, especially on the road. Y'all see him running up and down the stairs before the morning skates. He does his own workout. And I said to him, I, I can't I think we were in Columbus, and I said, uh, I saw him running the stairs. I said, man, you look like you could still play. And he said, maybe on the PP. <laughs> and, and thing is, he can't put his equipment back on and go back on the power play. He'd probably make it better. But right. again, he, he's, I just think, they need to make the power play better. And I'm not from what we've seen so far. And, and again, it goes, this goes back to before Marty St. Louis on previous coaching staffs. I mean, they finished 31st in the NHL last year on the power play. Also uh, Burroughs was there last year also, but I, I just think they need a little bit more um, of an experienced person to help out Marty St. Louis behind the bench. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and, you know, you say there's no, there's no salary cap on coaching staff. There's no salary cap on, you know, development staff nothing like that so with a team like the canadians they should be able to figure it out i'm I'm really interested to see what they do because at this point i don't think we can expect really a a big change in personnel from now till the trade deadline Mm -hmm. uh i'm talking about player wise obviously um so it's just it's one of those things that you know you even think about it when talking about, you know, a PK when they go through some struggles and you talk about P- like, obviously there's PK specialists and, and players that excel on the penalty kill, but really, you know, you're, you're t- when you're playing hockey so, since such a young age, you know, you're, you're able to kill a penalty. That's, that's just mm-hmm. part of it. You're taught that from a young age, you know how to do it. Um, and the power play, I feel like would be no different. I guess the one positive from the power play that I'm seeing is, you know, when, when the Canadians had Shea Weber on the ice, 
it was just so obvious. You know, yeah, they're they're looking point. for they're looking for Shea Weber in the circle, and he's going to bl- blast it, and you know, hopefully score, which he never did because every team was expecting that. And the positive that I see is that right now they have two successful plays on the power play: that seam pass from Suzuki to Caulfield, um, and then it's in the back of the net, or uh, you know, Nick Suzuki's patented uh, you know wrist shot from the from his uh, from the circle, mm-hmm. and it goes in. But they're not trying that every single time, so. Maybe this is me being optimistic, but they're trying different things on the power play and not just looking for that those two solutions. Yeah. You know, that maybe that's just me being cautiously optimistic. They are, and they're I mean they're very predictable with their zone entry in the power play. It's always that drop past the Suzuki, right? Coming up from his own mm-hmm. zone. And that, that's predictable. And you know, teams watch video and teams see what they're doing, and it's just it's you know, St. Louis had said earlier he wants like, you know, it should be like three passes on a shot. And you're talking about that overtime power play they had. I mean, they just they, they killed off their own power play. They just kept passing the puck around. The three penalty killers were standing there going, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. There goes 10 seconds. There goes 20 seconds. There goes 30 seconds. There goes, you know, you figure if you take a shot and it's a rebound, you should get the rebound you know, 70% of the time at least since yeah. you have the extra guys on the ice. But it's just – it just seems there's just – there just seems to be a lack of uh, – like a, a focus or, or, or uh, it's just, they're trying to be too pretty. They're moving it around. It's, you know, I, I asked Jonathan Joy about it after the game last day. He said, you know, power plays are weird. Sometimes you move the puck really well and you don't score. Sometimes you don't move it well and you do score, but if you don't shoot the puck, you're never going to score on the power play. Mm-hmm. And they just seem to be, you know, they keep seem to be waiting like that coffee. He scored again last night, but they, it's like, they're always looking for that cross ice pass to him, but they just need to, I, th- I think, a fresh set of eyes, a fresh look at the power play from somebody with more experience coaching NHL power plays would be a good thing for the Canadians at this point. So we can't talk about the Canadians and the season that they're, they were at least supposed to be having without talking about some veterans as we normally do uh, that could be on their way out. One name that keeps popping up. I mean, for the past two weeks, he's been on his name's been, you know, the hot topic around uh, different radio stations and TV stations around Canada is uh, Joel Edmondson. And the, the latest that I saw was Joel Edmondson might go to, to Edmonton. Uh, have you been hearing anything in the room, you know, any, Anything at all about you know potential movement and when that when the hat is going to drop because I feel like that's another thing that everyone's kind of expecting to happen. Well, I mean, I know Pierre LeBrun, who's uh, more plugged in than I am, is when it comes to trading stuff like that. Uh, said last night, you know, there, there's interest in Edmonton. The Kings aren't looking to trade him. Uh, he's the kind of guy that would be good on a playoff team. He's got this year and another year in his contract, so a team that would acquire him would get two playoffs out of him. Uh, he's a real leader in the room. He's really respected in the room. I wrote a column recently about how he's the DJ in the Canes locker room. He plays the music, the guys, uh, he's a likable type of guy. He's a physical defenseman. He plays hard. So it's, it's, I can, he's, he's a playoff type defenseman. You know, you go back to uh, when the Canes went to the Stanley cup final with the, the four Clydesdales as Luke Richardson called them four big physical guys who made it hard to play against. And Edmondson was one of them, you know, and Sherratt and, and Petrie and Weber, so he's a guy who's a valuable, real valuable playoff type competitor, great in the room, great leader. Uh, but the thing where Kent Hughes has been really good is that he's a smart guy. He's not in a rush to do anything. Now, I'm not looking to trade Joel Edmondson, but if you give me an offer I can't refuse, I'll trade him. 
And he's been that way all along. You go back to how he handled the Jeff Petrie situation and compared to how Mark Bergevin probably would have handled it. Uh, Bergevin seemed to make everything personal. Here's you know, Kent Hughes was just, uh, you know, the guy wants out, his wife wants out. That's fine. We're going to do our best to move him, but we're not going to trade him unless we get something good in return. And if we don't, well, he has a contract and he's going to play here. So I think it's a similar situation right now with Edmonton is that he's good in the room. The guys like him. It's a young team. He's very beneficial to have around. If you trade him at this year's trade deadline, what am I going to get? Maybe am I maybe going to get more next trade deadline. So it's sort of, can't use it in a position that he can listen to offers and say, no, okay, let me think about it, which might make a GM who really wants Edmondson sweat a little and maybe add a little bit more to what he's willing to offer. So Kent Hughes has been patient, uh, and I think he should be patient with Edmonton. I mean, if he gets an offer that uh, that, that he, he can't refuse or that he shouldn't refuse, I think he'll trade him, but I don't think he's in a rush. Maybe he'll get something more in the offseason, or maybe he'll get something more next year at the trade deadline. But again, just to go back, I mean, if a team who was acquiring him now with the one more year in his contract would be would have him for two playoff runs, and that's something the GMs will think about before, uh, you know, when they're looking to what they're going to offer for a guy. I mean, you look at Ben Schrott last year, Schrock got traded. They gave up a first round pick from Florida and then he went through and then he left. You know, and mm-hmm. now he's playing Detroit. So the, for Edmonton, at least you know you're going to have him for a couple of playoff runs if you make that trade. And, you know, just just as a side note about Joel Edmondson, I remember vividly, you know, just following so closely that playoff run. And, you know, the one guy I was always so excited to hear speak after games because of the COVID thing, they wouldn't send every single player. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to, you know, walk around a locker room and talk to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know better than anyone. <laughs> but when they had Joel Edmondson on those Zoom calls, uh, I was – it's just my ears. I couldn't, I couldn't stop listening. You know, it was just, you know, sometimes you'll just hear the jargon of all the time, you know, Oh, we got to get pucks deep. You know, we did, the, we did yeah. the good things on the ice and that's what led to the victory. He always, I found had insightful things to say. And that's when I really, you know, I really said, wow, this guy is probably really valuable to this team because, you know, he acquired a, what at the time he brought in as to be, you know, just an added, piece to the defense but i don't think when they acquired him they they would think that he would grow into that leadership role right off the bat in his you know first or second season like that just a really just an incredible player and a, you know again you would know better than me but a better a, an incredible human and an incredible hockey mind really yeah i mean marty saint louis keeps saying he wants everyday people that's what they want in the locker room and he's an everyday person right he's he's, he's when you're around edmonton you can see why um guys like him He's a likable guy. Uh, the last road trip, I wanted I mentioned that story I wanted to do on him being uh, the music DJ. And it was the, I guess we were in Vancouver because he was asked about the Carrie Price situation with his you know, gun controls, Instagram mm-hmm. posts. And he answered a bu- quite a few of, you know, uncomfortable questions for him, I guess, questions he'd prefer not to answer. He answered them very well, I thought, in my opinion. He was honest about it. And then he finished with the scrum. And then I mentioned to him, I said, you know, I wanted to write something about you being the DJ in the locker room. I understand it's a game day and everything else. So this probably isn't the best time. But if there's another time in the next couple of days after morning skate, I'd like to get you, you know, if you don't mind, maybe five minutes. And he said, no, no problem. Let's do it right now. So that's just the kind of guy he is. He's just, yeah. the, he's, uh, he's easy to deal with. He's a nice guy. And, and, and um, you know, the, the players on the team, they, they can relate to him. The young guys relate to him. The veterans relate to him. He's just one of those guys that, and that's, 
that's another thing that makes him attractive. If you're bringing him into a locker room, he'll walk into a new locker room if the Canes do trade him, and he'll be one of the boys almost immediately. And and uh, just like you said, uh, well, you know, he was the, he's the DJ of the locker room, and I, you know, I'm just this is me just piecing things together. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine sent me a video of Joel Edmondson uh, wishing his wishing his little brother a happy bar mitzvah and a mazel tov uh, at Il Sonic. So you know, hey, listen, he's yeah. a nice guy, and he and he listens to the same music I do at least. Just from that surface point, so he's in my he's in my good books. Uh, Stu, you're also in my good books. Uh, So thank you very much for this. It should be like you said, very interesting uh, upcoming two three weeks for the Canadians. So it'll be fun to follow along, and we'll be sure to speak to you soon. All right, Matthew, take care. Have a good night. You too, Stu. All right, the Sick Podcast is also brought to you by Playground. Uh, They have over six hundred machines poker tournaments and playground casino games, daily promotions and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Thank God it's Friday. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. It's also football with Matt O'Hare. Burrow hooks a pass, wide open chase, touchdown, Bengals. All right, uh, there you have it. It's week 15 in the NFL. I'm so excited for this slate of games. We get Saturday games, a full slate tomorrow. My time will be completely occupied. I don't have to feel bad about sitting on the couch and watching football all day. And to break it all down is from Run My Bets. Cash, Cash, how we doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? It's been uh, been a week. Yeah, it's been a it's been a week, and you know what? I uh, I did okay without you. I did okay. I think I I either went three and two or four and one. You would have been proud of me. I feel like for one of my picks specifically because it was, I felt it was a very sharp play, and I ran with it. And I told everyone I put my I put my name on the line, and I I put money on it. I hope people did too. But Carolina plus three and a half last week. I was very happy about that. Amazing. Play. Amazing. So uh, let's get into this week because uh, last week doesn't matter anymore. You're it's, it's all about looking forward when it comes yep. to uh, when it comes to NFL betting. And you know, let's start with tomorrow. I mean, there's three games, three very very intriguing games. I mean, I guess naturally we'll start with the uh, we'll start with the one that you have the hat on, the Baltimore Ravens going over to Cleveland. Cleveland are uh, three point favorites over under set at thirty eight. Um, yeah, I like the side a lot. I like the Ravens. I sent it to my clients already. It's going to be a max play. It's going to be a three unit play. It's probably one of the biggest selections I send out. Uh, I love the Ravens catching three points here in this divisional rivalry. These teams always play close. These, this division is always close. I think three points is three points too many. I see this game as a pick. I see it going either way. I think it's going to end under a field goal. Uh, there's a little bit of a drop off because Lamar Jackson's not playing. I, I wouldn't have fired on the Ravens plus three had it been, uh, if it, if it wasn't Tyler Huntley, because I don't want QB three the rookie there. I don't I don't want my money on him. I don't really know what he's capable of. I'm not trying to throw shade against him. I just I really haven't seen him play much. And the Browns would stuff the box, obviously, right? But now we got Huntley. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think the Ravens are actually going to win. I'm going to sprinkle the money line. I'm going to take them plus three. When you're in these divisional matchups, I think you got to take the points either way. If the Browns were plus three, honestly, I'd probably be looking at the Browns. Um, the home Browns home edge isn't huge. Their season is, is pretty much over. If you go like if you go mm-hmm. bet on them to not make the playoffs, it's like what minus ten thousand or something like that. Like it, they're they're not going to make the playoffs. They know that. Deshaun Watson's looked awful these last two games, which is normal. He's been out for so long. Uh, give me the Ravens. The Ravens play tough. They play hard. They turn. They've been turning the ball over on defense. Their defense though, since week nine is is the second best defense after San Francisco. 
give me the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win. I think take the three points, and I just don't see how anybody else could take another side on this game. I really don't. I think it's the Ravens, and I think that's it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the Ravens are uh, not to say I don't think they'll dominate, but just with the way that Deshaun Watson looked against Houston, and then yeah. with the way he looked against Cincinnati, he looked a little bit better, made a couple nice throws, but really nothing. You know that showed me, wow, this guy's back. Um, it's just like like you said, if this was Anthony Anthony uh, was it Anthony Brown? I think yeah. his name is. Yeah, yeah I if, if, name. If, yeah. if 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 he's in at quarterback, I mean. I, I I'm right there with you. I don't want that, but because yeah. Tyler Huntley's there, I think he could he, he could sling the ball pretty well. Yeah, you know, he if can. he has a clean if he has a clean pocket, you know, it's yeah. it's all good. It's all good. So I I I, I see this as a really low scoring game. I I, yeah. I I just this is based on no statistic, but I just feel like every game that I look at the point total and it's in the 30s, it hits. It, yeah. The under will hit all the time. Exaggerated unders, they they just have a tendency to to hit uh, more often than not. And uh, th- this to me, I mean, just as a Bengals fan, I won't take the Ravens, but I yeah. will take the, uh, I, because I do want Cleveland to win, which disgusts yeah, yeah, yeah. my soul to yeah. say, but uh, I will take the, uh, the under 38. Um, another let, let's, let's get this, the, the first game out of the way, because I feel like it's just the, it's called it the least interesting one at this point, uh, just yeah. because of the way the, in, the Indianapolis Colts look and Minnesota losing outright, which, I, another pick I gave, you know, that was pretty much, uh, a non-sweat, uh, was Minnesota minus two and a half last week. So yeah. Minnesota's three and a half point favorites when the Colts opened at four, I think it got all the way up to four and a half. I was yeah. tempted, couldn't do it, uh, but because it's, it's one o'clock it's in Minnesota. So I'm kind of on the fence on this one, but if I if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably at three and a half, I, I'd still take Minnesota. Yeah, I uh, I really like the Colts. I think I actually like the Colts plus three and a half more than I like the Ravens. Truth be told, uh, mm. I think the Colts are actually just better than Minnesota, just from a power rankings standpoint. Uh, if they're they're a three and a half point underdog in Minnesota, that the books are basically telling you on a neutral field these teams are are one or two points apart. Uh, I disagree with that. I think the Colts are actually a little bit better. I think the Colts run the ball better. They have a much better defense. The Minnesota Vikings defense is atrocious. It's been awful all year. Uh, it's it's something that the markets are paying attention to because the Vikings are what? I think they're 10-3 and three right now, or they're 9-3. Mm-hmm. and three. And there's only a four-point favorite over these Colts who, who have had an abysmal year. The, that's the markets disrespecting the Vikings and telling you that the markets don't think these guys are legit. I don't think the Vikings are legit. I think the Colts are going to win this game outright. Uh, I think three and a half points is, again, I think it's two, two and a half points too many. Give me the Colts plus three and a half. I lean under as well. The total is actually surprisingly high. I saw it at 49. Um, I don't know why it's so high. Again, it scares me that it's that high. But I, I would take the under for sure. I think you're getting the better defense. I think you're getting the better team. Truth be told, uh, and you're getting them off a of bye week, and they just got absolutely blown out by the Cowboys. But if you watch that game, and mm-hmm. I didn't Colts against the Cowboys, and it, it was awful. But if you really paid attention to that game, the Colts should have covered that game, and the Colts were were in that, and the Colts were literally winning that game for a majority of it. It was a really bad turnover before the end of half. The Colts would have went in halftime with the lead, uh, brutal pick by Matt Ryan, and then in the fourth quarter, it just started pouring on. There was a little bit of tilt and stuff, a few turnovers. I think the Cowboys defense scored almost thirty points. Uh, look for the Colts to have a nice bounce back game off their bye week and a, and a bounce back game off that Cowboys game. I really like the Colts tomorrow. That's another really strong play. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm glad you you brought up you made the case for the Colts because it's just not one game where that where I feel strongly one yeah. way or another. Especially just, but it, it does ring to me as a game where Matt Ryan, you know, 
he can, he can, we've seen this before. We've seen it this season where, you know, one week he looks terrible and yeah. throws for, you know, just over 200 yards. Then the next week he's throwing for 450. Yeah. This seems like it's one of those games where he could go 450. Yeah. Uh, I you. sprinkled. Yeah. I, I made a fun little parlay for tomorrow, you know, involving all three games, nothing too crazy, but uh, the bet actually is crazy. You know, I took Michael Pittman in this game to score a touchdown. I score, I took in the uh, four o'clock game for Isaiah likely to score a touchdown. Yeah. And I parlayed that with the nighttime game, which I'm very interested to get your take on because I've been, I've been curious about this game and I've been tempted about one side. And I'm going to tell you about it in a second, which is the Miami dolphins and Buffalo bills. Yeah. Miami has just looked lost and you know, Frank, I'm not prepared to call them frauds just yet. Yeah. But they 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 were never as good as you know that as their record showed. But I'm not prepared to say that they're frauds because they're a wild card team. You know. Yeah. It's fine. So this just feels like a game, regardless of the snow, where I have a very strong feeling they're just going to get pumped. They're they're you know they're going to get blown out, and the minus seven is is it's it's calling my name right now it's screaming at me to take it uh how do you feel uh this this game's tough man i haven't bet anything i haven't sent anything i've, I've i haven't even given an opinion on this to anybody really it's it, i'm gonna bet this there's there's two ways you bet this game i think if you take the bills i think you got to tie them up in a teaser and get them down to minus yeah. one on the money line and if you take the dolphins you're obviously going to take the seven I'm a little bit more inclined to take the Dolphins because they're off some bad losses. It's a divisional game. They're an underdog of a touchdown. I like the price. I, I just I don't know if I can trust, trust Tua in the weather, but the weather is kind of why I would take the seven points. A snowy game like that, you're not going to have this the insane dynamic Bills offense normally. I think it's going to be a slower game. I think it's going to be a lot of running. I think it's going to be a lot closer due to the snow. And because of that, I would take the seven. If this game was being played in Miami, I think I'd be more inclined to actually take the Bills. Um, but with that being said, it's really difficult game to handicap. Um, I, I could see myself sp splashing the bills in a parlay on a money line parlay or something like that, but it's not really a game that inspires much confidence. And to be honest, I wouldn't, unless you have a, unless you have a really strong opinion, whoever wants to bet this game, if you do have a strong opinion, go for it by all means. But if you don't, I'd recommend trying to stay away from this as much as possible. Yeah, it's it's just such an odd one because, like I said, I feel like the Dolphins are just going to get pumped, yeah. popped in the mouth. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's just the Bills haven't looked exactly like the best team in that in the NFL that everyone is still calling them. And you know, it's a very one dimensional offense. This is the, the the last leg of that parlay. So I have Michael Pittman scoring a touchdown, Isaiah likely scoring a touchdown. Yeah. If I'm still alive by then, I feel very very good yeah. about my the last bet on mine of uh, Josh Allen scoring a touchdown because this is what just one of those games where he's going to, you know, at the beginning, it's not his passing is going to be off. It's, I see yeah. it starting off how it started off against the Jets. A little bit of a punt fest back and forth, and then Josh Allen's just going to take the game into his own hands and uh, and uh, go off with the ball and start running it and and playing the hero ball that he does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk about Sunday. Sunday excites me for a couple reasons. Let, let's jump into the first game that, of course, is going to be mo of most interest to me, which is uh, the Cincinnati Bengals going over to Tampa. Joe Burrow's first matchup against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. And, you know, the, the, the total is, I don't, I want to call it low for the game, even though Tampa Bay's offense has looked the way it has, but I'm going to tell yeah. you why the Bengals, while they were heading into last week, quite healthy, other than Hayden Hurst this week, they're a little more banged up. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if Trey Hendrickson is going to go or not. He's probably not going to go, but the yeah. thing, that's not what concerns me more because I think Sam Hubbard does a fine job on the other side. They have DJ Reader up on the, the interior of that defensive yeah. line. The part that intrigues me is Mike Hilton and Jalen Davis, both slot corners for the Bengals are out. And I just have a feeling that Tom Brady is going to be able to exploit those seams and, uh, you know, Joe Burrow the other way, he's not going to be p- facing Vito Vea. So how much pressure is he going to face? You give him time in the pocket and here, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, you're, you're playing with fire there. So this game, I mean, uh, just, I want to take Cincinnati three and a half. They haven't failed me that, you know, they're, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're actually 10 and three against the spread this season, which is quite amazing. They're on a big run. Uh, yeah, and I think I heard a stat that they're uh, eighteen and eight, you know they've they've hit they've covered their the last eighteen of their last twenty one spreads. So yeah. betting on them has been pretty money, and uh, I don't know. I just it, the the one thing that scares me is Tom Brady exploding those seams because he just has done that so well over his career. Yeah, this game is really scary, man. I think the spread is like three points too short. Uh, we're seeing three and a halfs. Uh, like I make this game six, six and a half, and it just reeks. It's really scary uh, that they would put out a number like this, especially with how successful Cincinnati's been against the spread. And the public realizes these things. The public realizes Cincinnati's cash, cashing bets for them week in, week out. And the Cincinnati's been getting all kinds of money all week from wise guys, from professionals, even from mm-hmm. from recreational bettors. And the line hasn't moved. I, to me, it scares me. If it was the line, this is the honest to God truth. If the line was at six, I would take the Bengals minus six. Since it's at three and a half, similar to like the last time I was on, I spoke to you about this. The Titans were plus four and a half against the Eagles. I was super confident. I thought the number was too high, but the books knew the Eagles blew the Titans out. And I regret making that pick. I think it was a stupid pick in the end. Obviously, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but knowing what I know now after that game, and I, I opened my eyes to this spread. I gotta stay off. I gotta lay off. If I had if I had a free bet in this game, it would be Cincinnati because I just can't butt back this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team at all at this point in the season. But it's tricky, man. This this spread reeks. I think the spread is short, and the books aren't your friend. They're not here to give you free money. So when you see something like that, I really think it's it's best to stay away. Yeah, it, it's it's remo- it's it's not a divisional game, but it's. I learned my lesson. You know, you bring up that Tennessee against Philadelphia. Yeah. We were both on the same side taking yeah. Tennessee, and we learned our lesson. And it kind of scarred me. I wanted to take San Francisco minus three and a half last night. Yeah. It kind of felt like a layup. And I just yeah. I laid off of it and said, you know what? This, this Seattle run defense is terrible. It's national yeah. CMC day. Just hammer all of his overs, and it, it cashed a bet for me, so I felt good about it. But uh, yeah, if I, I'm right there with you, you know, it's it's crazy that the Bengals are just they're they're only three and a half point favorites, and they're not even it. It just seems like they're not at the top. You're not buying them at the top of their value. So on the on the on the outside, you know, on the surface, you're just like, wow, okay, uh, Cincinnati. You know, book's still not giving them any respect. But there's there's something there's Something's something fishy sure. in the water. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. One play, uh, I want I want you to t- touch on a play that you're excited about on Sunday. But before we get to one of yours, I just want to throw one last one at you, which is uh, Atlanta at New Orleans. I mean, you know, Atlanta are four-point underdogs. I- I'm all over the Falcons. Uh, I think uh, I think Desmond Ritter is uh, – I'm excited to see him. And, I'm you know, out of the picture is Marcus Mariota. Forget about him. He's injured where he had surgery on his knee and now enter Desmond Ritter. This is just one of those spots, divisional game. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of tape, if any, on Desmond Ritter in the NFL other than preseason stuff. And he looked pretty damn good in the preseason. So yeah. uh, just because of the unknown factor and just how bad New Orleans is, frankly, on offense, 
give me the Atlanta Falcons uh, plus four. Yeah, I uh, I'll go, I'm going to go head to head with you again. I actually feel quite strongly about the Saints. I like the Saints okay. minus four. The Falcons were they started the year really hot. I think they were six and zero against the spread. I think they won seven straight against the spread, and the markets love them. They were dominating the spread. Uh, covering games, backdooring, covering like wire to wire. They were great and they've just regressed. I think they've lost five in a row. It is now against the spread. Uh, they haven't sniffed the cover in a while. I don't even think they covered teaser numbers recently. They've, they've, they've been really struggling. And the thing with the Saints is the Saints defense is elite and it has been elite. Mm-hmm. They're finally healthy. Um, they, it was a mishap against Tampa Bay, but they should have beaten Tampa Bay easily. They should have beaten them by double digits. It was, it was a mess what, what happened. But I like the Saints in this spot. They're going up. That, that elite defense can be going up against a rookie quarterback. The Saints still have some good weapons on the outside. They have Alvin Kamara. I like the Saints here at home laying only four. I think you're getting a bit of a discount on them. I think they win this game by a touchdown. It's going to be one of my top five picks for sure on the Saints. All right. Well, listen, uh, I mean, I love when we go head to head because it causes yeah. for, for great for great discourse. And uh, for sure. I, I mean, it's just I I think uh, I just again, it's it's the unknown factor of Desmond Ritter. You know, he's a good quarterback. At least yeah. I think he's going to be a successful one. I think he has a little more arm talent than Marcus Mariota yeah. and that offense. You know, you know, they're not exactly going to start opening up the playbook for Desmond Ritter, but you know, he had a bye week to prepare. Yeah. I think this is a good spot for him to be starting in. So uh, that's why I like the Falcons. Um, what's a, what's a play that's, that's catching your eye. Cause I, I got, I got a couple in my mind. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few just before we get to our, both of our sick picks, but uh, what's an interesting play that might not be, uh, you know, on the, 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 the average betters uh, mind. Yeah. I like the Bears plus nine this week a lot. Um, and when the public look at this game, they're going to be looking at the Eagles, right? What have the Eagles done? They destroyed Tennessee. They just destroyed the Giants by almost 30 points. The Eagles are covering spreads, and everybody's going to be throwing the Eagles in their money line parlays, their teasers, all that stuff. Uh, I think the Bears might sneak an upset here. I really like the Bears plus nine. I like the nine points, first of all, because even if they're not covering the spread the entire game, the back door is always open. Philly goes into a little bit of a prevent defense. Philly wants to start resting some guys. And the thing is, is the reason why I'm taking this game is next week, Philly has the game of their season. I think it's going to be the oh, game yeah. of the the game of the year, obviously, before playoffs, because playoffs, the games are much bigger. But the Cowboys and the Eagles next week is shaping up to be one of the biggest games this entire year. Uh, and I think the Eagles are going to be a little bit focused on that. Uh, the Bears... I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm confident in them winning this game. I'm confident within them staying the number, but I think they're worth a sprinkle on the money line. Justin Fields is going to get the job done. Not, let's say they're down two touchdowns or even three touchdowns towards the end of the game. You just need a few points, a few good runs, and they're going to be covering that thing by the back door. Uh, I like the Bears plus nine, and I like a sprinkle on the money line. I think it's a little bit of a look-ahead spot for the Eagles. And uh, one more, we'll talk one or two more games before we get to uh, our sick picks. So yeah. let's talk. Uh, let's talk. This one's just interesting because you know, you know, it's St- Stu Cowan and I were talking about the, the potential of the wheels falling off the Canadians, and it looks like they're starting to wiggle off. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans going to the LA Chargers because this. Tennessee Titans team. I'm sorry, Juliana and Yellow, Sammy. I'm very, very sorry, but yeah. uh, it is just a disaster over there right now. And uh, there's just no signs of this turning around against an LA Chargers team that's starting to get healthy at the right time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably going to lay off this game just because I have a personal rule against the LA Chargers. Every time they start to look good, Brandon Staley yeah. steps in and starts to, you know, take the wheels off, pull the rug from under them. So, uh, just what are you, what are your thoughts on Tennessee plus three? Yeah, I, I I think you're getting Tennessee at the best price that we've seen them all all season. And this Tennessee team has been awful. I backed them last week against the Jaguars, and it was a mistake. But 
I, the deeper you dive into that game, they turned the ball over a bunch. It was a really ugly game. They're getting a few guys back tomorrow, uh, on Sunday. I like the Titans, and I like them because the Chargers can't stop the run. That's the biggest issue for the Chargers all year. And who's going to be running for the Titans? Obviously, yeah. that's Derrick Henry, right? And I think when teams start to count out the Titans and you start counting out Mike Vrabel and these guys, I think that's when they're going to start showing up to play. It's not going to be one of my bigger bets of the week, but I actually like the Titans in a little bit of a bounce-back spot right now. All right, so uh, let's do it. Let's uh, let's get to our sick picks. Yeah. It's time for Sick Picks, brought to you by Betway. Sick Picks brought to you by Betway. You must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. All right. Uh, so we're going to give our top five picks. Uh, we're going to go 1-1, one, 1-1 one, 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 as we normally do. And uh, I'm going to start us off with the Raiders in a pick against the New England Patriots. I love it. I think, yeah, I, I just think uh, the Raiders, the, they're they're figuring it out offensively. And, you know, Josh Jacobs has just looked fantastic all season. Devontae Adams has finally come on. They're finally using him in the past couple weeks as, a, as what he is supposed to be. And uh, just this New England offense, they looked absolutely putrid against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And it had it not been for their defense, uh, you know, win. Arizona wins that game. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more, man. There was a pivotal moment in that game where the Cardinals were up six before halftime and they decided to go for it on fourth down. They didn't get the fourth down and New England goes back and kicks a field goal. And then they score a touchdown on their opening possession and that really swung the game for me. Uh, something that's going unnoticed, Kyler Murray obviously went down and I think if he didn't go down, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals win that game by double digits. I had the Patriots in a big ticket on Monday and I'm super glad that they won. But I was telling myself during that game, I said, this team is not right. Their offense isn't right. I'm betting against them, but my, the next uh, decent opportunity I get, and lo and behold, you're getting the Raiders. You're reading the Raiders off a brutal loss against the Rams. That was just terrible. Uh, you're going to get the motivated spot. They're playing for Derek Carr. Might be playing for his career at this point. He's obviously going to get a job somewhere else. But if he wants to be a Raider and he wants to play with Devontae Adams next year, he's going to need to show something. I really like the Raiders here. The Patriots, when they've not, when they've given up uh, less than, when they've given up more than 20 points defensively, they haven't won a game yet. So I think the Raiders are going to be able to get to that 20. I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to get to the 20. I think the line is off. The line is like we're seeing minus one across the board. It's almost a pick. I think this line should be Raiders minus two and a half, minus three, somewhere in that ballpark. I think this is going to be a double-digit win. It's probably my favorite play on Sunday. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, It's just interesting because, you know, there's so much talk about the play calling in New England and how it's, you know, Matt Patricia and it's just – it's really weird. It's just a weird team in New England. And again, it's just they, they seem to be able – their defense is able to put the put the game away yeah. for them against – but it's against the bad offenses that yeah. they're able to do yeah, it. Yeah, something's this not is, right with them. This, this is a good yeah. offense and a okay defense that can yeah. get the job done against Mac Jones. So uh, yeah. no problems taking the Raiders minus one. Where are you going? Um, I, I'm going to go with the Raiders minus one with you as well. It's definitely mm-hmm. going to be one of my top five. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about uh, my second. My second will be the under in our, uh, the Cardinals and uh, Broncos game. This game, I mean, just, you know, you have Brett Rippon against uh, Colt McCoy in a game that is set at, let me find it on my sheet, 36 and, and a half. Yeah, it was a, it was bet down. It was, it's been bet down. It was up at 37 and a half at one point. And just, I mean, this is a game that screams to me. This could be a nine to six game. It's Colt McCoy against an elite yeah. Broncos D and uh, Denver, who the hell knows what they could do with Brett Rippon out, out on the field. Uh, just give me the under. And this is one of those that, you know, it's a very low number, but again, like I said, this game could easily be nine to six. Yeah. 
Yeah, as far as that game goes, I lean Cardinals. I'd probably take them on a teaser, get them through seven and a half. Uh, I'm probably not going to be playing that game. My second pick, uh, it's going to have to be the Bears plus nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, love the bear, love the Bears pick because again, like you said, this is a the 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 Eagles are in a spot where they're looking. They might be looking ahead. You know, they're they're pretty comfortably in. You know, they 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 are comfortably in the playoffs. They're comfortably in the the, the division lead. But you know, you. I don't think that the bears can pull it off. You know, like you said, you could, they're worth a money line sprinkle, but I yeah. do think that this is a big Justin Fields game in terms of rushing yards. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the bears will be able to keep it closer than people th- that people Agreed. are going to give them credit for. 100%. Um, third pick another under, and I just, I love this. I don't have, you know, I was going to be on, I was going to be on the jets, until they announce that Zach Wilson is playing. That's my third pick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the under in the Detroit and New York Jets games. Just I see Zach Wilson in a 40-point over game, in a 43-point game. Nah, no chance. No chance. Yeah. Give me the under, and uh, I'll take that and run with it. No problems. Yeah, I, I get that. I see that. Um, I, I like the Jets. I think the Jets at home are a little bit undervalued. You're catching a point right here. I'm seeing with them. I'd take that all day. The Lions are two different teams. Jared Goff playing at oh, home. Yeah. He's been incredible this season. And when he's been away, he's been terrible. The Jets defense is elite. And yeah, Zach Wilson's definitely a downgrade in my book. And the books actually did shift the number down a little bit compared to Mike White. But we got to look at this as a massive opportunity for Zach Wilson. I feel like if this didn't happen, he would have never played another snap for the Jets. I feel like he would have gotten traded or cut in the offseason. I just don't think this is the fit for him. I don't think it's worked out. He's got a chance to show this team hey man you've one game go out there and leave it all out there you want to complete 70 percent of your passes shoot a few touchdowns over to the boys get them a little bit hyped up and see what happens in the offseason or see what happens next week you know if zach wilson goes out there and they win by double digits and he drops three touchdowns no picks and he throws for up 250 or 300 yards there's a little bit of a qb controversy the next week and he goes from being the third guy out to maybe the starter and i feel like this is really his only last his last chance he's going to have this year if he goes out there and gets blown out I think he's done for the Jets, at least. Some other team will probably pick him up. But I think this could be a massive spot for Zach Wilson. Give me the Jets at home, uh, laying a small price. I think his price should be around minus two, even minus three. Yeah, you know, I, I was tempted. I'm just, I, I just have this personal rule where I can't back Zach Wilson. But you lay out a perfect reason why to back him in this yeah. in this special case. Um, if I were, if you're putting a gun to my head, I'm I'm with you. I'm taking the Jets yeah. because, uh, like you said, Jar- Jared Goff is a different player. The, the just the Lions' offense as a whole yeah. is a different team um, on the road versus at home. Again, I, I I was hammering this home last week when I was telling everyone on this podcast to take the to take the Detroit Lions, which is, you know, on the road, the, the at home at least, we'll start with, they average 33 points a game or just under yeah. 33. On the road, they average just they're over 18. Yeah, it's just over 18. Team. They struggle yeah. on the road. Yeah. Um, so I, it's a perfect storm for to take the Jets. Just the Zach Wilson, I can't get behind him. It's a personal rule of mine. And yeah. I made a promise to myself. But that listen, this is man, the year. Like, <laughs> if you can get behind him one time, I think this is the time. Come on. Yeah, man. exactly. You, you can do yeah, it. You can but, do it. I, I might be tempted, you know, in my last minute twelve fifty five stress parlays that yeah. I'll make on Sunday. Listen, I'm not proud of it. I'm not a Zach Wilson guy either, but you can get on him this one time, man. There's no bigger yeah. Zach Wilson spot ever. I don't think he'll ever have a spot like this ever again. Yeah, exactly. So it might be the one time Zach Wilson spot. We'll see. I'll, I'll you know what? I'll message you on Instagram. If, yeah, uh, if I if I, if I do, I'll let you know what I end up doing. Sounds good. You're um, betting him, bro. You don't have a choice. 
Yeah, exactly. At this point, I don't really. Um, so, I mean, we talked about it. We we gave the caution signs uh, for my fourth. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it because it's just they've been making me money all season. They made me money last week. They made me money against the Chiefs. Made me money against the the Titans. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I think um, there's there's two ways I see this game going. Either it's gonna be really close and I'm gonna lose, but I don't see the Bengals losing because just with the way that the, the way that the standings are, they're they're in a race with Baltimore right now and they got to assume that Baltimore is going to win all their games because they have the easiest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way um and on the so if Baltimore wins you know Cincinnati will win the game take the yeah. money line but if Cleveland wins wah, take Cincinnati with the spread because they will be ultra motivated yeah. uh when they beat when they beat I forget who it was I think it was uh the they were playing at the same time as the Ravens or, or something. And, you know, after the game, the entire team stuck in the locker room to watch the Ravens watch, game. Yeah, yeah, what happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, they had, it was the last game that the Ravens lost. And, yeah. you know, it, it erupted in cheers. They know what yeah. they're playing for. They want the division lead. They want a home playoff game. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye on the on the 1 o'clock window because if, if, if Cleveland – or not even, the, keep an eye on tomorrow. If yeah. Cleveland wins tomorrow, I'm very happily taking Cincinnati minus 3.5. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my my other my this is my fourth pick. My fourth pick is going to be uh, Washington minus five, and this is going this is a bit of a strange number. It's a strange game. It's a little bit sketchy, kind of like the Bucks Bengals game. Um, everybody's going to be taking the Giants at the points. These guys just ended in a tie, and these divisional rivalries they end up being super close usually, and more often than not mm-hmm. they are. And that's why I'm taking the Ravens plus three tomorrow. But this line has been weird, man. I, I thought this opened up too high. It opened at four, and all the money has come for the Giants. I think it's been ninety percent of the tickets have been Giants, and the line has gone up. It's up to five now i think it's even showing five and a half at some books i think this thing might even close six come sunday i love the commanders um they they were on a bye week so after they had that tie against the giants uh they were on a bye week they've been preparing for this game all week it's an incredibly crucial game for them to make the playoffs and to get a little bit good of decent seating um watch the commanders come on here and win by a touch touchdown watch uh, i think the giants are a little bit of a trap i think everyone's gonna be betting the giants plus the points and on the money line watch out for that i think the commanders are gonna come in take care of business pretty easily yeah, this is one that that scared me. Uh, there is a stat about Daniel Jones as a road dog yeah. that really favors uh, the Giants. Yeah. But again, th- this is just perfect storm. Uh, and, you know, the, I'm not a big, big uh, narrative guy when it comes to the NHL, but when the NFL, I'm yeah. a huge narrative guy. Because, yeah. like you said, the, the Washington Commanders are coming off a bye. Um who did they last play? They last played against the, the New York Giants. The Giants just got uh, the Giants just got handed a loss um, last week, the and they're the they're game. yeah, it's an ugly loss. You would think it's a bounce back, but this is a motivated, like you said, motivated Washington team. Who knows what uh, what Saquon Barkley is going to look like? So it, this is for me. It's a stay away. Um, you know, if I had to, I would put my money on the Giants just to follow that Daniel Jones trend. Yeah. Trend, um, but I, I just can't. I, this one I can't do. Last time, actually, last game, I got the miracle under <laughs> because uh, that game went to overtime, overtime at, 40 point, at, at, at forty points. And, you know, I'm thinking it's done. It's game over. Yeah, um, and it just cashed for me, Crazy. so that was fantastic. Crazy. Um, so uh, that's what I bet last time. I'm just going to stay away from this one. So my fifth and final pick for this one will be uh, I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to go with the Falcons plus, plus four. Give me Desmond Ritter, uh, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, what's it called? Uh, 
alumni in a, in university college. Just, I, I think he will, he'll be able to, sh- he's been ready to strut his stuff. I feel he's going to, yeah. he's going to feel a little bit disrespected that he wasn't the starter coming out of the preseason. He looked incredible and uh, just a lot of unknowns uh, for that Saints defense. Not a lot. Well, the unknown being Desmond Ritter and that there's not a lot of NFL tape on him. Yeah. So I will take the Falcons plus four. Yeah, I'll just go head-to-head with you for my final pick. I'll take the Saints minus four. Uh, as mentioned before in the segment, I like the Saints. I think the experience, the lead defense against a rookie quarterback in his first start, I think it's going to be a little lopsided for the Saints. I think the Saints can contain him less than 10, maybe 13 points, and I think the Saints get the win after a brutal loss against Tampa. Well, so uh, then I'll be sure not to include the Falcons plus four in one of my two team parlays that I throw, you know, two, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. two three units on because, uh, you know, one of us is going to win that one. And I don't want uh, I don't want <laughs> I don't want that to be my big ticket loss. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Cash. So uh, we'll chat again very, very soon. Again, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to let you know in your DMs on Instagram at run my bets. Uh, if I end up taking uh, backing Zach Wilson just this one time. So, but, uh, hey, man, you are backing him. You're taking him. You don't have a choice. Uh, all right. You put the gun to my head. All right. <laughs> there you have it. I'll be back in Zach Wilson and, and the Jets. Cash, thank you very much. Enjoy the slate tomorrow and enjoy the slate. on. You Sunday. as well, man. You as well. Have a good weekend. All right. That was our sick picks. Now it's time to go for gold. Go for gold. A daily World Cup report. Presented by Bijou Trees Bossy. Go for Gold is brought to you by Bijou Tree Bossy. Bijou Tree Bossy has provided professional service and fine jewelry for over 30 years. Visit the store at 9640 Boulevard Saint Michel in Montreal. Call them at 514-387-952. Eight. All right. So last week, uh, I have to apologize. And I have to apologize to all the Morocco fans because I said that they had no chance in hell against Portugal. And obviously they hung on and beat them one nothing. But uh, just just to give you a little recap of what happened and where we're headed towards this weekend. So France played Morocco in a semifinal. And that that was just an incredible game. Uh, you know, France ends up winning 2 nothing. Bit of a misleading scoreline because Morocco really impressed me in that game. Uh, They were fearless. They attacked, but they were fearless until one of the, you know, the wrong moment to be fearful, which was uh, Hamdallah, their striker that they had subbed on. He has a glorious chance. I think it was in the 76th minute uh, in the box, clear shot towards the net. And he, passes the ball off for whatever reason just felt like Morocco was trying to get the uh, the perfect team goal after falling down one nil uh five minutes into the game so they ended up then France what do they do they they you know you miss a golden opportunity they're killers you know you give them one chance they'll take the one chance and they did in the 78th uh so they ended up winning two nothing against Morocco the day before Argentina played Croatia Really not much of a contest, you know, as much as people thought it would be. Argentina just dominated the the game. Uh, Julian Alvarez with uh, two goals. And I think Leo Messi scored a goal of his own in that game, setting up just a wonderful final. I mean, what more 
of a beautiful storyline could you want? But first, we'll talk about uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, well, so it's up on the screen. So you know what? We'll talk about this one first, which is France against Argentina. Just the two storylines. It's fantastic. You know, no team has repeated winner, uh, repeated a World Cup title in over 60 years. That was, and actually exactly 60 years. It was Brazil who last did it in uh, 58 and then 62. And now uh, France has an opportunity to do that for the first time since then. And on the other side, yeah, you got Lionel Messi. You know, he has basically everything possible that he could have won in his trophy cabinet, except for the World Cup. And he made the final in 2014. They uh, they lost to France in 2018 in a in a knockout round game, four to three. Uh, I mean, this one. Uh, well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it. I'm gonna roll with the storyline, and I'm gonna say that uh, the storyline that favors, uh, you know, probably the majority of people more that would want to see this storyline come through fruition, which is uh, give me Lionel Messi lifting the trophy and uh, heads off into the sunset with his World Cup, and then off to Miami to play for Inter Miami. So I expect Argentina to win this game. I think it's gonna be an entertaining game. Both these teams are are pretty uh, offensively gifted. And uh, I just think the way that France looked against Morocco, they did not impress me. Maybe they were saving some in the tank for uh, for Argentina. But when you're defending an entire game, that, that takes a lot of energy. And uh, I don't know. Just this isn't the best France team that's being fielded. They have, they're riddled with injuries. Benzema is out. And uh, Pogba hasn't even touched the field in the tournament. Just... I think all signs are pointing towards Argentina right now. Uh, that might be a bias because I'm an England fan. I'd rather see Argentina win than France win. But hey, we're going to roll with Argentina. But tomorrow there's the bronze medal game of uh, Morocco against Croatia. You know, I, I, it's hard to get a read on this game because, you know, you don't know who's going to show up, if they care anymore or not. But uh, give me the favorites. Give me Croatia to take home the bronze. And uh, it's 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 going um, to be Luka Modric's last World Cup, presumably. So uh, that's why I'll, I'll – he'll ride off into the sunset with a nice bronze medal. And like I say, you win bronze, you lose silver. So uh, he'll win his bronze medal and uh, – be able to leave Qatar on a high note. That game is tomorrow, by the way, at 10 a.m. The final is on Sunday at 10 a.m. And uh, that's what I got for you for the World Cup. It's almost over. It's crazy to believe that. Then we got World Juniors coming up for uh, to watch some daytime sports. Thank you very much for joining us on this Friday evening. Tony will be back on Monday. Until then, enjoy the football. Enjoy the Habs tomorrow night against Tampa Bay. I will see you next week. Peace out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.